So usually kind of the scope of it is a PA comes in, they're learning what the paperwork looks like. They're learning how to name it. Once you become a secretary, then you're kind of learning, you know, how to distribute it, who needs what. And uh, once you get up to assistant coordinator, then you're kind of working with the production report itself. And so you're kind of rising as you go up through the production until it all starts to make sense. And the understanding of why this paperwork is important. Hey everyone, welcome to Call Sheet, a podcast about film production and the boots on the ground work of below the line crew. If you work in physical production in any department, this show's for you. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome back and thanks for listening to Call Sheet. Once again, we're your hosts, Bryce Sirier and Kiku Terasaki. Hey there, Kiku. Good morning, darling. So we're back with our guest production coordinator, Chris Bryant. We're going to dive right into part two of this conversation, all about Chris's role in filling out and keeping track of the set paperwork that comes through the production office. He also shares additional lessons learned from his time in production and invaluable advice for up-and-comers in any department. So Chris, a big function of the production office, as you've mentioned, is managing and organizing the heaps and heaps of paperwork that come in every single day. Could you just give us an overview and why that's important? Yeah, good question. So when we're in actual production and we're filming, um, we're constantly looking for, you know, what's happening tomorrow, what's happening today, and what happened yesterday. So it's always a, a constant mind frame and you're constantly shifting, which can get confusing sometimes. But so if I go into the office, the first thing I'm looking at is, you know, what do I have to do to prepare for tomorrow? Um, I'm usually looking at a prelim call sheet. So I have to look at, you know, is there any new cast members, any new stunt players that I have to get a cast contract ready for that I have to clear with SAG and do a station 12? Um, Is there a prelim or a call sheet to send out today that's for tomorrow? Um, Is there any skins which will come from extras casting that will tell me how many extras we're going to have tomorrow? Can I get my team started on the side yet, which will be, you know, the actors script portions that they'll be reading the next day. And what do we have going on schedule wise? It's going to be a safety bulletin. You know, are we going to be in hot weather? Are we going to have a helicopter? Are we going to have explosions? Uh, And getting those safety bulletins uh, ready to distribute digitally. uh, Same with call sheets, prelims, and also hard copies on set over to the ADs. Um, we don't generate the call sheets, but we definitely get those out and distributed as well. So that's usually what I'm looking at for tomorrow to set up for the paperwork. But usually when I come in, the first thing, the production secretary and the PAs have already gone through yesterday's paperwork. They've organized it. They've digitized it. And usually that consists of camera reports from the camera team, um, catering receipts, which will tell us numbers of how many people actually had lunch and breakfast, which are a budget concern. Uh, daily timesheets, which are from each department that records their in and out times that I can um, check against the PR. Uh, extras breakdown, which will tell me how many extras actually did we have and what was their um, their pay scale or the union, non-union. Oh, you get an unapproved production report from the AD team which will kind of give me an overview of yesterday's work. Um, Script soup report, which will tell me, um, you know, what was shot, how many pages, how many setups. Uh, It's usually the Bible of actually what happened as far as, you know, what was shot, how many scenes were shot, that kind of fun stuff. And the line pages, 
uh, where the script soup have lined uh, sound reports, um, L&Ds and injury reports. So that's usually the paperwork I'm coming into in the morning, taking a quick look at that. Then I basically convert all of that into a production report. I take the very basic setup that the ADs have sent me, then I go through it, double check everything, correct any numbers, um, ask any questions to the AD team immediately. And, and that's kind of the thing that production has to do on a day-to-day -day basis is interact with the AD team. If there's blanks in the paperwork, we have to push them to get the information because we weren't there at set. I can't, you know, I have to get the information from them. So usually I have a pinpoint person on the AD team and that's the person I'm constantly bugging every day to get that or to get in and out times for departments and I'm usually going to the department head. So that's kind of the necessity and the urgency of all of this paperwork is twofold. A, it speaks to the production report and once that becomes approved, that becomes a legal document. So if there's any uh, insurance claims later on or injury claims, we'll go back to that document. Um, the other part of it is to get all that information over to the accounting team so they could do a hot cost report. And what the hot cost report is, is it's telling the studio every given day where we're at uh, in the budget. So that way they can know, are we over, are we under? And so sometimes it just feels tedious, but this paperwork is important. Um, so usually kind of the scope of it is a PA comes in, they're learning what the paperwork looks like. They're learning how to name it. Once you become a secretary, then you're kind of learning, you know, how to distribute it, who needs what. And uh, once you get up to assistant coordinator, then you're kind of working with the production report itself. Um, and so you're kind of rising as you go up through the production until it all starts to make sense and why you need all that stuff and what it all means. So tomorrow, what is it you have to know is in place at the end of today for them to be able to shoot tomorrow? The big thing is equipment and information. Does everybody have the call sheet? You know, we do, do we have some new day players um, that are coming on? You know, do we have specialty equipment that they're not normally getting the call sheet? Um, and I'm not personally doing this, but I'm overseeing it, making sure that, you know, my production secretary is just showing it, that they have everything correct, that they're managing the PAs to get the sides ready so that the actors know what they're doing. Um, but uh, for as a coordinator, the big thing I'm concerned about is cast. Uh, you know, do we have all the cast contracts? Is everything, you know, set in place? You know, did anybody get off late tonight? Do I have to warn the ADs if they don't already aware that we might have a forced call based on the call sheet time tomorrow? Explain that. Yeah, so if we're wrapping today at midnight and we're supposed to start at noon tomorrow, that's a 12-hour turnaround. But let's say we go over and now we're wrapping at one o'clock and I have an actor call in the next day at 11 a.m. Well, I guess technically it'd be the same day. Uh, now they don't have their 12 hour turnaround and now that's a forced call. A forced call is basically a penalty from SAG and I believe it's about $950 penalty. And so just not being aware of the times and what time you're calling people in can, you know, uh, be a big penalty. And that's just one actor. If you happen to do that for four or five actors all in the same day, then that's a huge issue and a huge uh, cost. Would you explain cast clearance in Station 12? Yeah, so any actor that we would like to use has to be cleared via SAG. So one thing we have to do, we'll get a deal memo from usually the casting agent that's been approved by the studio and by the producer. 
which will give us all the information from the actor, their name, you know, any of their personal uh, information that we'll need to, to get them cleared through SAG. So what we do is there's a specialty phone line that we call to call SAG and we give them basically the person's name, their SAG ID number, and then that's how we get them cleared. And what SAG will do is they'll come back to us and they'll give us some information. They'll tell us there's no record of that person, which means that they're not SAG, which will generate other paperwork, which we get into, which is like a Taft-Hartley. Or they'll come back and they'll say, hey, that person's cleared, which means, hey, they're in good standing. Um, another thing that comes out frequently is they'll say cleared, but not in good standing. And so usually what that means is that the actor might have forgot to pay their dues, or it could be something simple, but usually we stay out of it. We just contact the actor's manager and just say, hey, uh, you guys will have to clear something up with SAG. Um, so that's what clearing an act. And that can go to more than just actors. That's actors. That's stunt players. That's marine coordinators. That's pilots, animal trainers. There's a lot of people within SAG that's not just the actors as well. So that's always something we have to keep in mind. Who are you communicating with on the AD team? Who's sort of your go-to when set is operating and you need information urgently? Usually it's a second second. Usually the AD is running the show. They're busy. Uh, the second is usually preparing the next setup. But usually there's a second second that's stationed in the trailer that's literally just doing paperwork all day. They're setting up the call sheet for the next day. They're setting up the production report for that day. Uh, and usually I'm dealing with them directly, whether if it's via text or a phone call or via email, it's usually a back and forth either between myself or the assistant coordinator. What's your best advice for making that a smooth and positive relationship? Here's the thing is day one is, you know, you already know it's going to be a lot of kinks. There's going to be, you know, there's just going to be things that aren't smooth, things that weren't necessarily talked out completely. Um, but for us in production, the big thing is we'll usually get a unapproved production report in an Excel format. The AD team is quickly putting that together. There's tons of typos. There's tons of uh, incorrect information. So I immediately want to turn that around, clean it up, give them a clean uh, template, and help them, uh, which also helps me. So every day now, I'm not having to correct these typos and the same errors. So day one, I try to give it a little bit of time. Look over their call sheet, you know, ask if I can see it before they finalize it. Um, so I can start correcting stuff and because it's easy to get behind on um, information. For example, if you have a production report that has incorrect page counts and what was shot, if you don't catch that that day and, it, you know, two, three days later when you realize, oh, something's off, it might take you forever to figure out where that error was. And so that's why attention to detail uh, is so important. Do you have any organizational methods that you've developed to help keep everything in line? Yeah, my team. Basically, I delegate quite a bit of it. Um, you know, everybody gets in the process. I don't want to overwhelm any single one team member. So when you're a PA, it's important to know, uh, you know, what the paperwork is, how to digitize it, how to name it. After that, you know, if we have time, then I'll start teaching more. And I always love to train a little bit more than, you know, they need to know at that point. And then train the secretary to distro it, train the assistant coordinator to overlook everything. So I'm basically just putting last glances on it. Uh, you know, I know where usually the errors are, um, so I quickly look over that stuff. But basically, yeah, my organization is just teaching the, the team and prep, 
um, making sure that everybody knows their duties and responsibilities, having a workflow, whether it's a Dropbox or something online where we can all share our paperwork. They can see exactly what I'm doing at any given point. I don't hide anything, whether if it's you know, POs or schedules, um, they all have access to anything I have access to. And also that's a, a thing I do. And maybe it's annoying. You'd have to ask my team, but <laughs> I always like to do tests and quiz, um, you know, just off the top of my head. Uh, and it's stuff like, you know, what is the 180 degree rule or some old film school stuff just to make sure that they're constantly learning. Uh, I like to get involved and make sure I know exactly what my team ultimately wants to do and kind of gear them towards that, you know, uh, a, I would rather hire a PA that wants to stay in production, but sometimes you get a PA and they might get in and realize, Oh, you know, actually I really like special effects or I like set deck. Uh, and so I kind of gear them towards that. I give them time to meet up with that person to learn more, to maybe go on set. Now that's the thing. If, if you help your team out, they seem to work extra hard for you. Uh, so I feel like training them and having everybody move towards the common end goal is always, uh, what we're trying to do. 100%. And, and I guess lastly, speaking to that is uh, be nice and prep when you can. If it's an early day, get them off, pay them for the full day because you might have some crazy long days in the shoot. So you got to be able to reciprocate that. Do you personally keep like to-do lists? Do you just already have this down? Yeah, a little, uh, little bit of both. I have a little memo steno pad that I update daily. And if something didn't get done that day, I just write it again the very next day. Yeah, exactly. And physically writing seems to help me and looking at something tangible and being able to check off a box helps. And that's usually for one-off stuff. That's not stuff that's going to be a day-to-day -day thing. If it's a day-to-day -day thing, I usually have little sheets that each of my team members have. You know, for example, the production secretary will have a distro list to make sure that every single person is getting distro. You know, the PAs will have a checkoff sheet to make sure they're getting every piece of documentation. And they, they don't forget, oh, yeah, we're missing a camera report today because, you know, they have something they're checking off on. Um, yeah. So, yeah, usually I have little things like that to help everybody stay organized. And then for myself as well, I have a little kind of overall weekly planner of, you know, what needs to be hit. Um, and another big thing is the production coordinator usually is creating uh, the daily prep schedule. This is in prep. Uh, I like to take time out at the end of the day just to go over the team to make sure we're all on the same page. So yeah, that's kind of some of the strategies I use. Do you summarize your lessons learned? Yeah, I do for myself. It's an internal thing. Uh, but yeah, definitely at the end of each project, I've kind of think to myself, what, what do I feel like I was weak on? And sometimes I'll ask directly from my supervisor, hey, what's something that you know I could have brushed up on or I could have been a little bit smoother at? But normally I know by the end of a show. Um, so for example, earlier on as an assistant coordinator, I felt really weak um, dealing with exhibit G's and the ins and outs and mill penalties and all that kind of stuff. So on the next show, I made sure that I spent extra time on that. I asked payroll all the questions I could. I asked the ADs all the questions I could, you know, and then maybe on that same show, I felt like, oh, I was kind of weak on knowing anything about telecommunications and cell phones. And so on the next show, I spent you know more time on that. So usually as an assistant coordinator, it's a good time to find that out. And then by the time you get to coordinator, you kind of know the basics, at least overall, of everything in production. And that even includes travel and shipping, even though hopefully you'll have somebody designated to do that. What about management technique? Do you 
reflect on that in your lessons learned? Well, that's the thing is I think usually I have well-vetted staff and it's usually not personnel problems, but sometimes it's something like, you, you know, for me personally, anytime somebody on my team messes up, I take it as a hit to myself. I usually think, what could I have done different? Did I not train them correctly? Did I not train them at all? So maybe it's something I completely forgot, but I always like to take it as a reflection of myself. You know, I, I don't think I've ever gotten angry at anybody on my team. I, you know, maybe I might've been disappointed or something that happened on time or something wasn't clearly communicated. Um, but then I take it as a lesson learned to myself, you know, maybe next time before I'll be a little bit more clear on what I needed. And I think that's kind of the the big thing that kind of helps me out. I think that's a fantastic overarching leadership lesson in general, just like this idea of responsibility and the buck stops here. If there was a problem, there was something that I could have done to prevent it. So how can I do that more in the future? Exactly. And I feel a lot of times it's just giving them the tools to empower themselves. If you know that a PA really wants to jump up to do production secretary work, maybe start giving them him or her that works that they're learning more or, you know, secretary to APOC and it feel, gives them uh, more ownership of the work that they're doing. They're feeling like they're learning stuff. They're not getting stagnant. Also, sometimes you can see your PAs. Maybe there's personnel issues between them. Mm. So sometimes you might have to step in and you know be the adult of the group and just make sure everybody's getting along. And uh, But thankfully, I haven't had too many of those issues. Everybody's been pretty great to work with. How do you vet? You said your crews are very well vetted. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's kind of a tough challenge. It's kind of this catch-22 where even at the PA level, they don't want to hire what they say green PAs, which means they haven't done a film before. And usually the reason behind that is because usually things are fast going. They don't want to take the time to train. Um, they want somebody that has, you know, that's not inappropriate, which, you know, if you have a young person, they've never been on a film set, you know, that, that could be a case. So, Usually vetting is by they've already worked on a show. You've talked to their production coordinator from another one or two shows they've been on. Uh, you kind of little know a little bit about information about it. Most everybody and that I've worked with has all been word of mouth. It's not by blind resumes. It's by you've worked with this person. You worked hard. They want to recommend you. Um, so it's merit but it's also by word of mouth people aren't going to recommend you and you work bad and that be a bad reflection on them um so that's usually you know what you want to do however that's not always the case if you're in a, a place that doesn't have a big film crew or if you're in a country of people that you haven't worked before it's you know it's going to be hard to do but usually then you'll take an interview and try to ask all the questions then get a feel for how they are as a person Honestly, the way I look at it is I can train anybody if I have the time, but are they going to be affable? Are they going to be easy to work with? Are they going to mesh with the team? You know, so much of it is personality related since you're going to have to be with these people 12, 13 plus hours a day. It can be a pressure cooker sometimes. So, so you're saying uh, that essentially you or those you've worked with have been reluctant to ever take on someone who has virtually no film set experience you know i hear it quite a bit i know most coordinators actually i can't think of a coordinator that would prefer to have somebody green i myself don't mind if i vet them and i feel like they are hard working and they could do the work case in point my uh last project i had it she was going to be an intern and then we hired her as a pa uh actually ended up bringing her out to um, hawaii to be production secretary 
And then she came on to a Marvel show with me and I had never worked with them before. But the benefit to me is I'm able to train them the way that I like them to to work and my workflow and my organizational way. So I don't see it as a hindrance um, as long as they have the right attitude and they can work hard. Now I'm going to bring up your predecessors, your mentors. Do you reach back to them? Do you stay in touch? Quite a bit. I think one of the big uh, interesting finds in production is we don't have all the answers. And the biggest, quickest thing to do is to shoot a text or a G chat or an email over to somebody that you know that might, somebody that you worked with before. And it's a constant, almost I would say uh, a day or a couple times a day, am I getting messages from you know maybe a secretary on another show or a production coordinator on another show Either asking, you know, if, if I've dealt with something in particular, uh, if I have a particular template, if I worked in a specific location, do I have vendors? It's a constant network of dealing with past people you worked with and, um, you know, not just the people on this show. So, yeah, we, we stay in touch and help each other out quite a bit. I love that this network of support and information and best practices and resources that's the engine that production is, right? Across all different types of projects, different scales, different sizes. Um, and I love that spirit that you kind of give off, you know, this this spirit of collaboration and kind of unified work. Uh, it's really inspiring to me and it makes me want to be better at what I do. Awesome. Thank you. What's next for you? What do you want to move on to or move into? You know, I feel like there's still a couple things that I could get stronger at as a production coordinator. I feel like a couple more full features. I'll feel confident where I need to be. And then I think I'll be ready to step it up to production supervisor and then working my way up to production managing and line producing. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Chris. Do you have any final thoughts or, or parting words of advice for our listeners about making their way in production? I think the only thing I had was just, I guess, lastly saying that, you know, although it seems like a lot of paperwork, which a lot of it is, I feel like production does have a lot of room for creativity, you know, with a lot of new projects, there's a lot of new technology um, and it's given us constant things to learn, but also uh, as far as the creative aspect, it's a fun challenge, you know, depending on the show, you might get dropped in the middle of Columbia and you have to find fiber internet. Um, you know, you might get dropped in, in Thailand and have to figure out, you know, how do you get a drone company from Switzerland there the next day? You know, it's constant, challenges and you have to be creative the way you solve it um, and it's not necessarily money um, sometimes it's you know using a, a vendor and using their expertise or you know sometimes even having to get into the government to get stuff moving <laughs> which which happens sometimes so yeah I, I think the last thing I'd like to say is just to speak to the creativity there's a lot of creative challenges we're constantly trying to solve and that, that's the fun part to me. I like being the fireman. I like being the one that the first one people call when there's an issue on set, being given the chance to try to solve it for them. Uh, it's fun. It's challenging and it's stressful, but it's fun. Love it, man. This has been such a fantastic conversation both times. We appreciate you coming back on the show again, and we look forward to staying in touch and keeping up with the amazing work that you do. Thanks for sharing your insights. Indeed. Thank Thanks so much, Chris. Talk to you guys soon. And that's Taillights on another episode of Call Sheet. This show is brought to you by Elgin Entertainment. It's produced and hosted by Kiku Terasaki and me, Bryce Sirier, with support from our associate producer, Nathaniel Duber. I'm also the editor of the show, and our theme music is by Robert Mai. 
Our guest today was Chris Bryant. We talked about Chris's role in filling out and keeping track of the set paperwork that comes through the production office and invaluable advice for up-and-comers in any department. Thanks again, listeners, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode and keep coming back for more. I'd like to thank everyone who's left us a review for the podcast so far. If you'd like to share what you're getting out of the podcast, you can email us, callsheetpodcast at gmail.com, or rate and review the podcast in your podcast app. You can also hang out with us on social media. Check us out at Call Sheet Show. Now, remember to stay tuned for new episodes of Call Sheet every Thursday morning. And in the meantime, good luck and go make it happen.